Welcome to Watch Party Wheel of Time. I'm your host, Ruark, joined once again by my co-host, Saima. What up, wheelies? And, of course, by our panel of newbies. Say hello, panel. Hey. Hello, hello, panel. 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 Uh, today, we've got a full house. Uh, everybody showed up today, all eight of us. Uh, so, joining us from the panel, we've got David. What's the matter? Was it something you assimilated? We've got Greg. Hello, dear. We've got DW. And my axe. We've got Samaria. <laughs> Happy Sunday, everyone. We've got Axel. Hello. And Siobhan. Hey, everybody. Uh, I'm kind of excited. It's been a while since we've had, uh, seen everybody all together at once. Uh, this, is, this is kind of fun, kind of a, like a family reunion. It's great. I feel like it's coming back from oh, summer break. Ice. I know we're heading into summer kind of really, but it's, it's like everybody <laughs> right. had everything going on and different times. And it, everybody's back for break. Yay. We had a very late spring break. <laughs> yes. <laughs> very long spring break. Well, our episode today, we're going to continue our uh, world religion and a real world religion and myth uh, as reflected in the Wheel of Time. Uh, part 8,000. I don't know what part this is at this point. This is this. Every time I come up with notes for some of these things, I, I write out all these notes and I think, okay, that might get us through half an hour of time. And then it turns into like six episodes worth of, of notes. So I just need to figure out that you guys have a lot to say. <laughs> you haven't figured out by by now. I, you know, I, I, I'm a <laughs> you, slow you've, learner. You've met it, us, it, right? It takes a while. Yeah, yes. Or, yes. or truly forgetful. And, and you've edited us. You should know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a valid point. I'm, I'm going to blame it on the ADHD at this point. Squirrel. Exactly. So, uh, getting into. Uh, into it, the the three characters that we really haven't uh, touched on yet in this series are Moraine, Egwene, and Loyal. Uh, so I think we're going to try to cover those three today. Let's let's see how many we can get through with this many of us talking at once. Uh, are we bringing up that their spinoff series is coming out soon? Uh, what's what, what's the what's the title of that? Oh, I was just going to call it Morgane, Egwene, and Loyal. Like that's a that's got a catchy like <laughs> rhythm to it. Morena, Gwaine, and Loyal. Say it five times fast. Yeah. Yeah, go for it. Morena, Gwaine, and Loyal. 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 Ha ha! Nicely done. Yeah, that's probably going to get edited, but. That's the blooper reel right there. That's the blooper reel right there. All right. So, yeah, just launching into who the fuck is opening candies? What is that noise? That's me. <laughs> real. I'm gonna... It's the world's largest sugar candy. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm actually opening this. I just oh, bought it yesterday. Oh, oh, so oh, terrible. <laughs> Very on brand. Because Simon and I were talking about it for a future episode, and so I just picked it up and opened it. Ah. Awesome. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> that was just very distracting out of the <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> I meant I thought I had put myself on mute. Apparently not. One person in the movie theater with that really loud chocolate wrapper. Yeah. <laughs> so let's just start off with Moraine. Uh what what do we immediately see with Moraine as in in uh myth and religion? And stories from the real world. She's a witch. So really. you want to build a bridge out of her? 
<laughs> Very obviously, she is lighter than she 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 floats like a duck. Yes. Yeah, she was definitely yeah. visiting the Oracle. But yeah, Prophet Oracle. Also, a little bit of a you know, get the espionage aspect to it. Mm. Oh, a little little double o seven. Yeah. So she's a double o seven duck. Yes. Okay. Well, we've talked in the past about uh, some similarities that we noticed with, say, Lord of the Rings, and she definitely kind of fills the Gandalf role in, in that sense, um, which I think also kind of leans toward Merlin also. You know, when we were talking about Tom and uh, his relation to uh, Merlin, I was thinking at the time that there were a lot more characters, a lot more characteristics of Merlin that were more embodied by Moraine than by Tom. And especially like the knowing what's going on, but not really showing the whole hand and needing to check with other people the whole time where he has to go back and check with um, Saruman while, you know, that's her going to the White Tower and having to talk to people like those parallels were definitely there. Yeah. And and uh, also with Merlin, the kind of being the the central magic user and kind of the teacher of many of the other magic users also. Yeah. Trying to um, find the chosen one and then trying to guide the chosen one. Yeah. And as we've seen from from some of the other characters, like namely uh Rand and Perrin, who both have a lot of Thor influence, uh Jordan doesn't mind spreading around the influence. He can take the name from from give the name to one person and the deeds to another or something. So I kind of see that's what's going on with Merlin here, because Merlin seems to be getting spread around to quite a few characters. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to think of a character that, like, Merlin and Gandalf both don't really teach other magic users in that. Like, they didn't find somebody with the ability and take on an apprentice in the same way that Moraine seems to be trying to do with different people that she's convinced are going to be able to, to access the source correctly. Because, I, I, you know, the, the fear that I... Her, her concern of it being Rand is that his touching the source will be tainted. Whereas if it turns out to be Nynaeve or Egwene, they can touch the source and it's fine. And if they're the dragon, fantastic. We have a dragon who can touch a pure aspect of the source. So I, her taking on that that apprentice type role or hopeful apprentice, um, I the only example I keep coming up with is the old Dragon Slayer movie, which I freaking loved. But um, there's not a lot. You of that and the... uh, you, I think. Is, yeah, is, I, is, I'm fine yeah. with that. You all can give me every copy. I love that movie and all its hokiness. Um, I remember that movie vaguely, and I remember when I was very young thinking the dragon effects were really cool, and I don't want to ever see it again because I will realize how uncool those dragon oh, effects they, actually they were. They do not hold up, but it, it, <laughs> it is very similar to me to the second head of Zaphod. I mean, of... Uh, of um, yeah, Zaphod. Yeah. Of yeah. Zaphod in the TV series, which oh. had a documentary about how advanced that puppetry was <laughs> for that time. And you watch it now, and you're like, oh my God, that looks horrible. Like some drunk person put that together. But it was state of the freaking art. 
you also have to realize they were watching that on like, you know, late 70s cathode ray tubes that, you know. With a two inch screen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that had looked perfectly fine on, on those. Oh, it, it did not look perfectly uh, fine back when it was live. It looked clearly like uh, a pretty crappy second head. But it was still Zaphod people rocked with a real second head, which was way better than what they did in the movie. Um, yeah. Oh, which was just like. Flip top head thing. Terrible. Dumb. Dumb. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, back to Moraine's flip top head. <laughs> I was impressed how they did that. It was the, the effects for that were really well done. So are we finding anything from Moraine's name? My initial thought, and I, I've slipped in saying it, is Morgana. Right. Yeah, Morgana that was my thought right. too. Who is also another powerful magic user from the, the Arthurian legends. But often associated with the dark side of things. And, and I, I'm hoping that we're not being led down the path of Morgane, Moraine being evil. Also, obviously, um, uh, the, 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 um, the, the deposits at the bottom of a glacier of rocks and stones and stuff. Like, that's Moraine. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about evil necessarily, but I can see Moraine functioning as an antagonist. Where her, like, her ends, or... It, or at least her means are counter to what our five heroes are are going for, um, and that obvious conflict can lead to Moraine being, you know, a villain in somebody's story. I can absolutely see that happening. I, I could see that. That's already kind of happening with Matt, and and it's also kind of happening with the White Tower. The original um, prophecy was that they had to find the dragon and kill him. And she has been um, off on her own, doing her own thing with nobody except Swan knowing what she's up to. So she is kind of an oppositional character already. Well, I, I think that was uh, the thought I was having while that was being mentioned was she's been more antagonistic to the tower in a, as a general rule, not the seat. Um, but the, the other people, the other Aes Sedai... She doesn't seem to be following what they want as much. She seems more protective of the five than she is their interest. But I, I can also definitely see that she has her own agenda and things are going to go the direction she feels they need to go. I can also kind of see some parallels with the TV version of Moraine and having your power removed from you and then having to deal with that. And we see that in Greek with uh, Hercules. Mm -hmm. There's probably other examples out there. Uh, I mean, it's a common Superman story. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to get a dirty bearded version of her that she's going to have to fight. (laughs) 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 Just to bring up something from Greek myth. uh, Does anybody know what the moray are? Eels. Uh, that, yes, that is correct. You get, uh, three points for that one. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh shit, we're playing for points? Oh, all right. Now uh, the, game, the, the game is always yeah. on now, so. Yeah, 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 the game is always on. <laughs> uh, the, no, the Moire, the, it's spelled M-O-I-R-A-E. Oh, the Fates. Are they, oh, is that another name for the Fates? I'm trying to think of their names. It was like... Cloth- Porthos, Clotho. Porthos, Clothos, yeah, and and, and, uh, and uh, Athelstan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Fred, don't forget Fred. Oh, Fred, very important. Yeah. Very yeah. important. 
spread the fate. That's that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this is this is steering really well down right down straight down the road that we were intending. This is this is <laughs> you were intending Fred the fate. That was, that, <laughs> was that in your notes? Yes, right here. Fred the fate. <laughs> right, right next to Moy Ray. Yes. Well, it's interesting that they would use that close of a name nomenclature, but Moraine doesn't seem to really have ability to change the pattern in the story. And that's more the Taviran side of it. Right, but she is the one trying to guide the Taviran. Yeah, she's she's she she's... the one that's pulling the strings. Mm-hmm. So, so to a certain extent, the Taviran are the scissors. So the yeah, role of I the fates, maybe. the role of the fates was to make sure that humans, that humans followed the fate that they were supposed to be in, that sh- and that shit didn't get fucked up. And that's what she's trying to do. She's trying to make okay, sure. That, so that's more of a peril. Yeah, presumably the dark one is trying to break the the tapestry and break the weave, which some of the dark friends welcome. Yeah, exactly. Like they they want that they right. So what she's so she is acting as the fates in that regard. Um, Interesting. Without like, is she tr- does she think that she is acting in the good of the you know like trying to prevent keep things on their course or does she have her own agenda right like and she could certainly view what she's doing as the right thing but actually is is her own you know her own her own opinion and i guess that would determine whether she becomes a a, a good person you know a good character or a bad character kind of a thing well it can she all be perspective that. too oh absolutely her way is uh, definitely the correct way from a certain point of view I, I think she's definitely doing that because she is following both explicitly, you know, the 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 wishes of the of the White Tower and the wishes of the prophecy that she has with you know that yeah. she and Swanner are are following. So she is working as a as a double agent. Well, the the interesting thing I want to give Robert Jordan a lot of credit for something that just kind of the pieces aligned currently in my mind. I've had separate variations of this thought, but how it all coalesced just now was actually really neat that he has found a way to both write in fatalism, people being destined and having a path that they're just going to have to follow and somebody trying to break that fate. And then that in a way that leads you to wonder whether the fate is what should happen or whether the breaking is what should happen. And that's not something a lot of authors predestination when used in, in stories and stuff like that is often like, well, this is the way it's supposed to go. And anybody that tries to break this is clearly evil. And this kind of sets that up. But it also sets up people like the dark friends who are like, no, no, the breaking would be good. It would save us all from this nasty cycle. And so you've got the Moraine character who's protecting the path as it is, the predestination, but there's the real threat that that predestination may not come true, which kind of makes it not predestination. It's interesting. Huh. The other part of that is when you get to the end and if the actual fate has been changed, a lot of times you'll see the story kind of spun as well this was the original fate and this is the way it was supposed to be yeah a lot of them deal with like going back so we've already had a breaking 
So if a breaking happened now, would that breaking set us back on the path that the original breaking broke us off of? Yes, follow that logic. It's kind of like in the cartoons where somebody loses their memory because you bopped them on the head. The way to get it back is to bop them on the head again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Reset button twice. Well, in fact, our reset button is right on the tops of our heads. And it's coconut activated. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but not anvil. That just activates the little birds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or stars, depending. You know, Saima, you had something you started to say? Oh, were you done with that reference that I didn't understand? Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You've never seen a Warner Brothers cartoon? I'm tired. Okay. <laughs> uh, Axel mentioned the fates, and I, it just made me think about there's the the oft-repeated uh, iconic line from the books, the wheel weaves as the wheel wills. And it's usually attributed to Moraine. And in the series, in the show, she's the one that says it. And so it just really reinforced that idea there of the weaving and deciding how long somebody's thread is going to be woven, which path it might take. And connecting Moraine back to Merlin, I see Merlin as very much kind of a, you know, a puppeteer as well. Like he was, he knew, isn't he, he's, he's aging backwards is that right so he knows the future and he's trying to manipulate things to go in that way even though he, even though he's not going to be there to see it um another uh, possible connection i'd like to bring up is uh, uh going into slavic lore again uh there is a goddess of death and rebirth and also the goddess of winter known as morana it's a pretty name i don't know that one that's in, that is interesting I clearly need to read a lot more Slavic. I know, but that's where it's at, apparently. Yeah, I was, I've been thinking that. Her being the goddess of uh, death and rebirth really kind of links it as well in my mind. So does that also raise any connections to Shiva? You know, Shiva, the, the creator and destroyer, is really what the, the dragon is, is. You know, that's kind of the dragon's whole shtick. Having having a, a um, base knowledge of of Shiva, does Shiva have a mother type character or a? a I don't think so. Um, I don't know enough about the the lore there to know. I know Shiva is uh, um, very gender neutral; can be depicted as male or female, alternately depending on the situation. Yes, absolutely. Um, but uh, I don't know about a mothering, nurturing type anything there uh any of our listeners who are listening if you want to if you know the the answer to that uh, uh send it to us what watch party at gmail that'd be great yeah. well i do know shiva is many armed so maybe uh moraine is some of the arms from rand is the others oh and again like rock was saying earlier you know jordan takes can take one figure and spread them out spread aspects out across multiple characters as well yeah so yeah so if Rand and Moraine are splitting the arms of Shiva, how many do, does each get? And, and do you have to take them in matching sets, or can you, like, take all the lefts? I think, I think the dragon gets the lion's share. I, I, I gotta say. I think wait, the wait, dragon... Wait, wait, wait. Wait, 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 yeah, lions yeah. into it? Yeah, what, what do lions have to do with this? <laughs> We're talking about arms. How many arms does a lion have? None. Uh, have you checked his dinner plate? Oh, oh uh, uh, yeah. wow. 
Oh, and we're devolving into a wonderful discussion. I love it. <laughs> um, any other thoughts about Moraine? Any anything that stands out to anybody? I also connected her a little bit to um, the Lady of the Lake, who's also known as, I know we talked about in the last episode that Nynaeve seems to embody a lot of the Lady of the Lake. Mm-hmm. But there's also, she was also known as the Blue Lady. And I remember when I first started reading it, you know, Maureen's, because she's from the Blue Aja, and she's described, Jordan describes her very much as like very cool, having a cool or a cold demeanor sometimes. Oh, and... Uh, right, did you mention that the Slavic goddess is also associated uh, Yeah, the god, with... goddess of winter, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so I was, see- I was seeing aspects of the blue lady of the lake with Moraine as well, but then that mirroring with Nynaeve as being like the younger incarnation of the lady of the lake and the more humanized version that has the ro- romance as well. But <laughs> um, yeah. Well, there's there's a lot of stories that have a pariah character, which to a certain extent Moraine is stepping into because of the uh, being banished from the the White Tower and stuff. There there's a bit of um, Cassandra complex, a bit of like the different different myths have had the person who knows the right answer, and the people who are banishing them know that they know the right answer, but they still need to banish them for the good of all. Because the quest can't continue unless they get banished. That's interesting. And she she kind of tells Swan, doesn't she, that you've got to do this. But yeah. she's been she's been pushed into that corner to even ask for that because Megan wants her to stay on in the tower. Uh-huh. Hmm. Interesting thoughts. Um, and I think with that, we've kind of hit the bottom of the Moraine barrel, as it were. Um I'm not going to say anything about her hot pipe. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's go to break and come back with discussion of Egwene. I'm here with Samaria talking about our sponsor, Four Cats Boutique. And Samaria, you're on their website right now having a look around. Uh, what are you seeing? I am currently gazing lovingly at the prettiest earrings, the Van Gogh Starry Night ones that are apparently made to order. So they're super custom. And now they're going on my wish list because I like to buy things just to stare at them on my dresser. And if anyone else out there wants to buy those to stare at them on their dresser, where can they go? Check out 4Cats Boutique on Etsy. That's number 4Cats Boutique with a K. And we're back and uh, we're going to get into discussing Egwene. Uh, So what influences do we see behind Egwene's character? Anybody? So I obviously see the Guinevere connection. I think there's, I think, there's a Guinevere connection. Well, the name. Um, Egwene. Egwene Alvere. Egwene Alvere. Oh! <laughs> you got there. <laughs> I mean, when, when Jesse Gender did her, her show about um, the TV show, she even referred to her as Guinevere. Yeah. For the first couple of episodes. So she is the partner to Arthur, who is Rand. So that's all, that also fits. I'm really hoping this means she doesn't have an affair with Lan, though, because that would just be... <laughs> <laughs> Too much incest going on. That would, that would just be wrong. <laughs> well, again, we've spread the character across multiple characters. <laughs> Sometimes, literally, we've spread the character. <laughs> the name's also pretty similar to Igraine. 
um, who is uh, Arthur's mother. Oh. oh. No, I'm not touching that. <laughs> <laughs> Paging Dr. Freud. She was married to not Uther. Merlin cast a spell on Uther so he would look like her husband, and that was uh, how Arthur was conceived. Just say it was sketchy from the beginning. But I, I didn't know that part, but isn't it the reverse for how Mordred was conceived? That Arthur got tricked into thinking that, was it Morgana was the was somebody, was Guinevere, and that's I how Mordred was conceived? I think so, yeah. Interesting that the flip on that for the two generations is God. Yep. Okay. That's a messed up family. What, the royals? <laughs> Say it ain't so. <laughs> Not as messed up as Merlin, who's doing it. Targaryen says what? <laughs> was it David who said that Merlin was the one that facilitated that? So again, kind of pointing out, you know, Merlin, Moraine. Yep. Like do things for their own reasons. Is it good? Pulling the strings. Of course, if you live backwards, you get to see who birthed who. So I suppose he's just making it happen in his own way. Yeah, but then you're the reason it happened. Like, <laughs> I know. It it's going back it to that better. fate circle, it's right? Like, oh, geez. Yeah. I screwed that one up. Well, I got to go do that now. <laughs> yeah, well, like when Uta asks him to do this and he's just like, oh, no, I really don't want to do this. Please don't ask me. Okay, fine. Oh, I have to do this, but let's pretend I don't want to do it. Bloody Merlin. Going back to Egwene and the Guinevere parallel, I see the supposed damsel in distress, but can actually take care of herself. Everyone thinks they need to take care of her, but she's really self-sufficient and can handle herself. And also, didn't Merlin tell Arthur not to marry Guinevere because she'd caused like the fall of Camelot or something. Do we think Egwene will marry Rand if he's a dragon? So what you're saying is Tom is going to try to tell Egwene not to marry Rand? <laughs> well, Moraine's going to tell Egwene not to marry Rand, and then I don't think that's going to go down very well. She'll be like, I wasn't going to marry him, but now I bloody well am. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be Nynaeve. Yeah. <laughs> Nynaeve would be like, I wasn't even thinking about <laughs> doing what you want me to do. I would never do anything you want me to do. <laughs> that was a pull from another lore. There's also uh, a character that I kind of feel, and again, name-wise, uh, we know how much crossover there has been, is Eowyn from Lord of the Rings. You have the character who, you know, had to had to prove to everybody that they were a badass because no one wanted to give them that chance. Um, and ends up taking down yeah. like that. So I hope there is an Eowyn moment for Egwene in the future where one of the dark fiends or the dark one himself like comes to her and, and she's able to just decapitate him. The the whole no man can kill me thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Hmm. Uh, Rurk, you are getting a little uh, the AC noise. Oh, shit. I forgot to turn off the AC when we started back up. Yeah, it took me a little I'll, while. I'll too. listen in the mix. If I have to, I'll just dub the lines. So There you go. Yeah. ADR. Exactly. I can do that with my own lines. Yeah. Uh, although with my 
you know, improvisational skills, I can do that with everybody else's too. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I am Greg. I messed up my line, so I'm re-recording it. I, I really want there to be just one line in some paragraph I'm saying that's re-recorded with your impersonation of me. And then flips back to me. I really, please, at some point, do this for me. Well, you can, you can do that all the times you said, you know, Morgane. You know. <laughs> I'm not the same Maureen. Just have it, just have it, you know, like, Maureen. Maureen. Yeah, because yeah, I'm going to get shit for saying Morgane, but I'm not going to get shit for saying Maureen. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the right name. You all get shit for that. Uh, so, uh, Egwene. Uh, <laughs> steer this back into some semblance of, a, of an episode. Uh, anything else we see in, in Egwene? I'm trying to think of, of other, again, apprentice characters, because apprentice characters, um, they're, they're interesting characters. And so that's part of when I was looking at the Moraine character and trying to think of, of mentor-type relationships in, in stories like this. Um, I'm trying to think of the apprentice ones that, that Egwene would fill in, um, or embodies even to some degree. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of scratching against a wall of, of trying to think of good mentor apprentice storylines. So I, what I'm hearing here is that more rain is going to get the high ground and, and, and cut off a queen's and legs. cut off a queen's legs. Yes, okay. <laughs> it, it, it could also be um, oh grief. What was his name? Uh, Liam Neeson's character and Obi Wan. Qui Gon. Yeah, Qui Gon, because because Obi Wan is uh, an apprentice at the beginning of the of the of the Phantom Menace. Mm -hmm. Wait, isn't Qui Gon the stuff that you want in your tonic water when you make a gin and tonic? That's Qui Gon. Oh, that's, sorry. That's quinoa. <laughs> Sorry. Right. <laughs> no, no. DW, if you're bartending, I don't want to go. <laughs> Quantro. Eh, no. Uh, you're not helping things. I love how we're trying to draw parallels of this character that was uh, created in the 70s to a movie that was uh, made in the. But that, that's late the 90s. thing is, I'm trying to pull from older than Star Wars uh, references. <laughs> um,. And I'm, I, I know they exist, and for some reason I'm blanking on them. What about um, things that might have happened in Guinevere's story that we think might have, could happen with Egwene? If we remember anything. So at one point, I, and I've read so many different versions of the Arthur story mm. that I couldn't tell you where this comes from. But there was... Um, at least one version where Guinevere was accused of being a witch and Lancelot was her her champion because they decided guilt by combat. And Egwene is so, definitely a, a witch or yeah. witch in training. And Lan would make a good champion. Hmm. It would be interesting. Is it? We we talked a little bit about Lan, whether or not he has to keep being a warder for Moraine if she is severed from the source, 
or would he be reassigned to another Aes Sedai and the weirdness that that all causes. But if Egwene then goes and becomes uh, an Aes Sedai, technically Lan could be her warder while Moraine's figuring out whatever's going on with her connection to the source. It, it's a potential. I see I see Lan is more likely to be uh, working with Nynaeve. Although, you know, now that I think about it, it is something that actually already happened at the hands of the White Cloaks. Egwene and Perrin were captured by the White Cloaks, and it was Perrin who got them out of that situation. Mm-hmm. Was it Perrin? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The wolves. Well, Egwene and Perrin working together got them out of the situation. So that reminds me, that, that makes me think about the stories about Guinevere, I think a few times where she gets um, captured or kidnapped and usually saved by Lancelot, but... So was Guinevere kind of the ur-damsel in distress? Hmm. The Princess Peach of Arthurian legend. But then, you know, pulling in Eowyn and uh, saving herself. Sorry, Rand, but our princess is in another castle. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, DW just did it again. Mm. Another reference you didn't get. Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, I think I I prompted him on Um, that one. And and, uh, Saima, during that whole last discussion, I kept my eyes locked on your face and you have a tell. I, I don't think anybody else can notice the oh, tell. We're going to now need to start watching <laughs> but, but, Simon. But there's Charlie. a tell. Okay, there, you, you, you have do to have tell a tell. <laughs> I'm focusing so much on just like, you know, not having my face hurt. I'd probably switch to something else. Um, Maybe you should go off camera too. <laughs> <laughs> so I know I'm a little light on the broad range of the Arthurian legends, but doesn't she also kind of become the power behind the throne? of Camelot for a while where Arthur kind of goes into a, a slump and, and she has to advise him and, and keep the land well, going. Especially during some of the uh, quests for the grail. So I, I wonder if that kind of dynamic is going to happen between her and Rand at some point. So she has to take, take the reins and take control is, is what you're saying. Hmm. Yep. Interesting. Kind of like the Catherine Parr to Henry the eighth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there's, an, there's a, another version of the tale as well, which might be connected to the one that Siobhan was talking about, where Guinevere is a powerful sorceress and she had the ability of foretelling. Uh, I guess uh, listening to the wind is kind of that type of magic yeah. also. And at the end of the season... Nynaeve seems to have lost the ability to listen to the wind since she knowingly channeled and she's asking Egwene, what do you hear? Right? Hmm. That's interesting. I didn't pick up on that. Hmm. I did, but I didn't interpret it as her losing it so much as she was like so distracted and stressed out and had other things on her mind that she wasn't really able to devote the energy needed to tune in, as it were. Um, versus Egwene, who seemed a lot more settled and focused and even. A quieter mind. Mm-hmm. Interesting, because I got a completely different read off of that moment in more of a, like, 
a checking. What do you hear? You know, I, I'm hearing what I'm hearing. What do you hear? I want to check where your, your abilities have gotten to. So I, I may have completely missed in that moment. I need to go back and watch that, I think. I think she actually says that she can't hear anymore in that I may have missed scene. That. And I would just say that I could be wrong. Like, this is new, new to the show knowledge, so. It would be interesting to have two different cut sources. So if, if, if Nynaeve is cut from the wind and Moraine is cut from the source, seems a weird, I, it feels like there would be a camaraderie that would form from that, the two former able to, you know, handle some magical ability and now severed from it. Are we seeing any connection to Sif? Uh, it's Thor's uh, as guardian girlfriend in the in the in the lores. Uh, often his girlfriend in the lores, uh, a powerful warrior and stuff like that. But I don't know if if necessarily we're seeing a connection to that. I, I thought Thor's girlfriend was Jane Foster. Yeah, that that is something that is from Marvel, um, which was not <laughs> around at the time of this rise. So if, if wait, wait, Robert wait. Jordan is living backwards, then possibly. And also, the, I mean, the Marvel thought goes back to the 60s and 70s, I'm pretty sure. Um, was Jane in there? I think so. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, because he was in there from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. 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 he was also somebody who needed a walking stick, right? And the right. walking stick converted into Mjolnir. Into and cake. yes. Yeah, I mean, and Jane Foster was a nurse that worked. Yeah. Yeah, because the movie stuff basically doesn't actually do anything original. It's just editing bits out from the comics back in the, you know, back in the classic era. I thought I thought she was a later development. I didn't I didn't think she was a from the beginning, because um, a lot of them had very very basic uh, concepts in the beginning. But no, I am referring to more the the Norse myths. Yeah. Um, Sif is from those Norse myths. Yes. yes. She was and, she was Thor's uh, wife, right? They actually got married. Did they? I don't I thought, remember I, that. I part. thought I'm so. not not questioning that in a like I know better. But in a, I, I don't know the result of theirs. I know that there was an often, often on relationship between them. She was usually the one that Thor was paired with. And part of that was because she was a match for him. He was a great warrior. She was a great warrior. And kind of all of, of, of uh, the Norse um, pantheon, like, oh, yeah, of course they're going to end up together. And kind of almost pushed them together in most times. So, so they were the prom king and the prom queen, and, and yeah, pretty yeah. much. Okay. Yeah, but in most mythology, whether you're married or not, it's on and off all the time. Yeah, so, that's a good point. Yeah. Valid point. I yeah. am not going to disagree with that. And, and not just with husband and wife, with all kinds of relationships. Yeah. Brother and brother, father, father and son. son. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's kind of a loose analogy, but if I remember right, Sif is the champion of Earth. Mm -hmm. And she goes down and, and takes care of the humans and whatnot. But uh, that could kind of be paralleled to um, Egwene being of the earth and of nature and, and listening to the wind and whatnot. And while Rand is taking on the higher things, she's taking care of the people. Again, a little bit of the Egwene, I mean, the Guinevere taking the reins while Arthur's out looking for a cup. <laughs> <laughs> Looking to complete the glassware set. 
Yeah. He's got the holy fork. He's got the holy spork and spoon. He, he, he just needs the holy grail to go with the set. What about the holy platter? I, I don't think it's a good deal because they really just like load it up with like the popcorn shrimp. Whereas, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. Is there oh, okay. a holy buffet in this analogy? <laughs> holy red lobster. Uh... I'm going to hit the holy salad bar for a little while. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, the blessed croutons. <laughs> well, thanks for that digression, Dita. <laughs> but I, I like this connection of Sif, Sif to Egwene. Yeah. yeah. I do, so, I do you know, as well, very much so. Yeah. Um, Goddess of fertility of the earth and vegetation. Yeah. And uh, Saima, you, you seem to have figured out what your tell was and hit it better that time. <laughs> oh, oh, now I have to listen back. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> this is fun. I'm just sowing dis discord all over the place. messing with me. We'll have words later. <laughs> I think at some point Simon's going to have a cutout of Simon's face that she just wears. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's brilliant! I'm totally getting that. <laughs> Simon's face just looking very stern. Just exactly. <laughs> <laughs> With a lot of that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, a little bubble just says that. It's, it's, it's... <laughs> oh, um, anything else about who the fuck are we talking about? We were talking about the heresy that is Eggie. Marvel. Yes, uh, yes. Well, I think that uh, that about wraps up what we can discuss with Egwene at this point, especially since half that discussion wasn't. Even about Egwene, uh, but <laughs> it was loosely inspired. Inspired by Egwene. Yes. We go. Uh, yeah, we're gonna go to break and come back. Much and like the come... Marvel comics were inspired by North Myth Norse mythology. Oh, <laughs> uh, this we're episode gonna... sponsored by Marvel. <laughs> really. Well, we're... Bring you know home. what? You know what? You know what? You, I'm trying to throw to break, and you guys aren't going to let me do this. So, so screw it. We're doing it live. No, no, we're doing it live, and you guys got to help me with this commercial. You ready? Here we go. Okay. All right. So, I know all of you like listening to our podcast, Watch Party Wheel of Time. But have you heard about our other podcasts, David? Have you heard about those? I might have heard a little bit. Tell us more. Something about a uh, Targaryen family show coming up and a similar podcast that might be covering yeah. it. DW, do you know anything? I think I've heard something. There are some really awesome people on their panel. Uh, I, from what I understand, you know some of those people. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about them? What? Me know any of No, I, I, I do have a few friends on that panel. Uh, Morgan, Constance, and Solar are both wonderful people who know a lot about it, and they've brought in, I believe, at least one more, if not more, who are very, very familiar with all of the lore that goes with Targaryens, and they're looking forward to diving into that topic. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, we do still have our Maiden podcast, the one that started the whole voyage. Uh, do you know what that one is, Saima? My precious... <laughs> Watch party, Lord of the Rings. 
That's whoop, right. Whoop. Watch Watch Party Lord of the Rings. You hear us thanking Michael and Jen at the end of every episode. Well, that's who runs Watch Party Lord of the Rings, and they are super excited for the Lord of the Rings series to show up on Prime next month. So uh, <gasps> I, next month, next month. Wow! And Already? I th- I think that uh, we'll we'll probably share some of their reactions with you here on our podcast. We'll we'll include that in our stream so that you can hear what they're talking about and maybe uh, become new listeners over there. So yeah, uh, check us out, the Watch Party Podcasting Network. We've got a lot of cool things coming, and uh, yeah, stuff. We're a big <laughs> wow. happy people family. Are ultimately One responsible for this nonsense. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, that has to be the line going out. <laughs> That's going to be the Watch Party motto. Yes. Responsible. <laughs> but people are responsible for this nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff from the people who brought you things. <laughs> and now, big thanks to those responsible for this nonsense. And we're back. Uh, and we want to talk about one more character that uh, I have notes on, and that is Loyal. I'm just going to throw it out to the panel here. Uh, what do you see behind Loyal? The gentle giant. Nothing. Can't see past him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Unless you're on a very tall hill. Yeah. Right. Kind of blocks out the sun. I have to admit, I'm constantly, when trying to think about Loyal, I am completely distracted by the fact that he's not human. So I start lo- looking for things like mythology around um, ogres and, and, other non, you know, uh, other non-human beings, but that isn't nec- that he doesn't necessarily have to be a non-human character. Yeah. Well, it, right. it's a common fairy tale trope to have the big beastly-looking character. Not that he looks all that beastly, but the big character turn out to be this very intelligent, passive. It, it, it's a trope that's turned on its ear very, very uh, often. Um, you, you, you take the the thing that everybody should be scared of, and you just make them very gentle and smart. So like Shrek. Yes. Oh, I don't know Shrek's about gentle. I really don't know about smart in that case. <laughs> or gentle. The opposite of Shrek. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, it, it's interesting um, what you've just said about Loyal not looking... That's... I can't remember what you said, but something like not looking... That beastly. So beastly, right. Because there is a difference between Loyal in the show and Loyal in the books. In the books, he does get compared, like people think he might be a trollic. Um, I like the way they went with the show because it means less CGI and we get to see more of him and, you know, have more yeah. lines. Oh, I love practical. Um, but he, yeah. he is bigger and um, if you don't, you know, obviously most people haven't seen Ogier, then quite scary looking when you first uh, come across them. He does. He does very much evoke like a, a nature spirit, like like uh, the Green Man or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Like the Ents. Sorry, Axel. I, I, I know yeah, I no, no. Up. But the Ents, I, I kind of get that feeling. The slow moving. Oh yeah, yeah. Gonna have Let's talk about whether or not we should help you. Oh, you hobbits are always so very hasty. Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, this is uh, this is something I actually 
I'm pushing to to start a new archetype around this kind of character. I call it the Wookiee archetype mm-hmm. um, because in my head. Chewbacca fulfills this archetype better than just about any others. I'm pretty sure most of the grunts and groans are actually Shakespearean quotes. <laughs> yes, very much so. <laughs> um, you just don't understand them. Just yeah, part, yeah. Part of the Wookiee archetype that that I see, um, they tend to generally be physically large. Um, there's an intense, intense loyalty, usually to an individual and also possibly to a, a concept. And on, on often those two loyalties will, will end up uh, colliding at some point. Um, they, they tend to be somewhat morally gray if looking from the outside, but from the inside, they tend to follow a very strong moral compass. It, is not a, it doesn't look gray to them from the inside at all. Um, and and that, that morality tends to revolve around their loyalty. Um, you know, I am loyal to this person, so therefore whatever I do to help this person is moral, even if it takes away from the other person to do. Um, they tend to have a difficulty in communicating with those around them, but whether that be a language barrier or just a speed barrier, as it were. Um, and they tend to be more often understood by just one person around them, the person that they're generally loyal to. Um, and this, because of this, they can often be regarded as slow or dumb, but usually they are proven to have a very deep and profound knowledge, sometimes in a very specific way, but they, they always, almost always come out with a very, very deep, profound wisdom. Um, and they yeah, don't get this, medals. yeah, and they don't get medals. Um, so does R2D2 also that? that uh, archetype um r2d2 is more the the plucky sidekick archetype which which is when they tend to be smaller they they get to be pluckier and a little more aggro right okay um yeah um but yeah this is this is just an archetype and i see it everywhere and and it's obvious and loyal um and you can see it everywhere else you look i mean um just you know Think of any any major ensemble piece, and I can tell you who the Wookiee is. You've got Hagrid. Hagrid's your Wookiee in in, Lord, in uh, Harry Potter. Uh, Treebeard is your Wookiee in Lord of the Rings. Um, Korg in the Marvel Thor, Thor yeah, movies. Yeah, Korg in the Thor that. movies, exactly. My favorite is Ronan Dex in uh, Stargate Atlantis. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is a common, common um, trope that we see everywhere. And my my spouse, Madeline, actually pointed out to me where this trope began, and that is the sto- in the Epic of Gilgamesh, which is about the oldest story we have with Gilgamesh's sidekick, Enkidu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which, in my opinion, is kind of the Ur-Wookiee. And... and uh, Axel, I think you probably know a little bit about this. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Enkidu? Oh, good. Um, right. So he was um, a. So, right. Gilgamesh was the king of Ur, was it? Mm-hmm. Right. And Enkidu was a wild man who was terrorizing the area and 
Gilgamesh goes out and beats him up and they become bestest buddies and then they adventure together. Um, and that's about all I can remember off the top of my head. But like, yeah, he, he, he was big and tough and he was the match for Gilgamesh, which was really important because Gilgamesh was a god in his own right, right? He had some kind of animal features, no? Is that a different yes. version? Like some kind of bull yeah, yeah. features? From from various versions, he's described mm. with animalistic features. Or yeah, that. yeah. He he's semi like he's semi monstrous, not quite human. But it, it's very much that same story I was just talking yeah. about. He he has a loyalty to Gilgamesh after after that that. You know, he stays by his side and, and fights by his side and, and is kind of Gilgamesh's number one confidant at, from that point forward. And and like I said, that that in my opinion is the original origin of all of the the kind of Wookiee archetypes, which Loyal is just part of the proud lineage of. Hmm. Would you consider uh Lenny and of mice and men to be a, a Wookiee archetype? Oh Lenny is absolutely a Wookiee. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if if you want to play that game right now, go ahead and throw any anything at me. I'll tell you who the Wookiee is. <laughs> well, you have Boo Radley and uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm -hmm. That would be that would be an archetype there. Um, and I would say in Game of Thrones, you get uh, the rare uh, feminine Wookiee in Brienne of Tarth. Brienne of Tarth, yeah. Mm -hmm. And Hodor. And Hodor. Hodor is definitely also a Wookiee. There can be multiple Wookiees. That's true. Yes. As a matter Iron of fact. Giant. Wookiees yeah, the the Iron there. Giant. Um, yeah, actually, I was thinking through um, Wheel of Time the other day, and depending on your frame of reference, I found at least half a dozen Wookiees. So, Loyal is obvious, the, the most obvious Wookiee, but there are at least half a dozen Wookiees throughout the, the series, depending on your frame of reference. Um, I would, I'll, I'll give you one of them now, because you can see it yourselves, amongst the three Taviran boys, who's the Wookiee? Perrin. See? Yep. I'm interested to know more female Wookiees that you might have come across. That's the thing, is female Wookiees, I do not notice them very often, and that might be just a, a case of, you know, women didn't get included in stories a lot of the time for most of history, so... Unless they were the damsel in distress. Exactly. Right. That the Wookiee and partner would be saving exactly and not getting a medal for all the wookies ge like generally like functionally asexual in their appearance was would you say um i would say generally so i i can't think of any wookies that that end up being like a a sex symbol you know well no i take that back because if you think about who the wookie is in the avengers the Hulk? I was about to say Hulk. Jarvis, but Jarvis becomes Vision. Yeah. Thor. Oh, yeah, him too. Yeah. Thor is very much the Wookiee. That that's another another thing about Wookiees is they will very often be the fish out of water character. They they tend to come from another culture that that is just completely different and don't understand the culture they're in or are trying to understand the culture they're in. And yeah. 
I'm sorry. I took this discussion of loyal and turned it into my own <laughs> personal screed about uh, the Wookiee archetype. No, <laughs> no, no that's it was cool. interesting. Yeah. Great. Um, yeah, yeah. And that last bit that you just said, that is a really good way. Because I was, you know, other things that you've been saying, I'm like, hmm, you know. But actually, that definition is really good. That being the fish out of water, because loyal is very much like that, right? That they're yeah. just constantly saying, "Oh, humans," and you know, they're like fascinated with how they how they act in the world and just not being on the steading mm -hmm. well, that brings me to the other uh lord of the rings character that i feel is somewhat represented by loyal which is bilbo because you have all of the hobbits who stay in hobbiton they don't go out mm. and do things and then you have bilbo who somewhat reluctantly but still kind of out of curiosity goes on an epic adventure and you have Leo's yeah. like, I I guess I'll go, you know, kind of vibe yeah. to him. Well, well, both both of them kind of have that, oh, no, please don't make me go on an adventure. <laughs> exactly. Oh, anything yeah. but exactly. that. Um, so it, and, it's it's fulfilling something deep inside of them that wants that, that longing for something different, but their culture, that's not really looked wisely upon. But on the journey, you could look at Samwell as, a, as the Wookiee of the group, too. Uh, yeah, to an extent. Yeah, definitely has the loyalty. Definitely is looked upon as 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 somewhat dumb or or not as as engaged as as the rest of them in in a way. And is also the fish out of the water yeah. in the relationship between Gollum and uh, Frodo. Yeah. Um, in Greek mythology, the character that stands out to me is Chiron, um, mm, the yeah. the wise centaur. Um, teaches the the demigods um yeah medicine that, that, that general giant that the the wookie archetype yeah absolutely yeah, strangely enough in star wars the wookie is actually han solo but <laughs> <laughs> i thought it was yoda it's hard to understand uh, no. <laughs> intensely well, loyal to an Centaur idea seems to connect more with loyal as well because it's also the centaurs have the wisdom and the knowledge. And exactly. With yeah. the Ogier, they are the holders of the knowledge because they live so long. Um, and they've maybe managed to preserve more of their knowledge through all the various upheavals. They may not have it. Apart from the breaking, I don't think other land wars affected the steadings as much. Um, well, and, and Chiron also is... Uh, definitely made to be different than any of the demigods, and they're all, you know, humans. They're 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 uh, having this half horse, half man, teaching humans how to be better. Is like they're, they're like you're you're the fish out of water, as Rurak was saying. Like be be more horse and be less man. <laughs> well, he's not a fish out of water though, because he lives with the centaurs, right? Like he isn't he isn't a unique. But he's a fish out of water while teaching the demigods. Don't There's they, not a no. whole bunch of other centaurs that do that. Yeah, but they come to him. Yes, because so, because of his his knowledge base. Right. But the point is, is that like he's in the middle of centaur town and they're visiting him. He isn't going on adventures. So, so he he's, he's a home. fish in water with a strange fish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like. Like if part of the I, I, if part I, of what makes I, a yes a Wookiee character is that they are out on the adventure, Chiron does not do that. 
Absolutely, and I get where you're going with that. But my my usage of fish out of water is in the relationship, not in the actual physical location. But in the relationship, the demigods all feel confident with each other. Brothers, brothers, quit being so hasty. (laughs) (laughs) We can talk about this. Now let us go to the great stump and you can lay out your arguments. Hello, I am loyal. Um, I'm, I'm interested in, in exploring a path here. Um, what great, like, wisdom sources of knowledge can we think of from, from mythology? I wanted to go down the route of the Sphinx, but the Sphinx ends up being a beast. And ends up being rather stupid in her choice to kill herself after the riddle was guessed. I want to say tree of knowledge. It's not a person, but in terms of the original source of knowledge. Mm. So in Irish mythology, it is literally a fish. It is a salmon of wisdom. I think in Pandora's box, actually. Uh, Mostly in connection to the tree of life, where you're not supposed to have the knowledge that's released. Um, Also, what's his face? Bringing um, fire down from the mountain to the human. Prometheus, yeah. Yes. That's a that's a major one. Moses bringing down the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trees are pretty common. When I think the the salmon of wisdom actually became wise because it swallowed because um, it swam up acorns. A swallowed acorns that had fallen from from the world tree. So the steadings being. Um, I'm, I'm getting more of... and more into Irish mythology as, as you talk about this. I, I'm, I'm just cool loving story. having the salmon of wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to roast it up? Fish is brain food. Odin became, gained his like wisdom by hanging upside down from a tree for a few days and almost but not quite dying, if I remember rightly. So I'm, so I'm seeing... I'm seeing um, a relationship between uh, the steadings and the whole tree of knowledge idea. Would that be the e tree? Is that what they call it? Uh, no, that's not it. The again, I'm going back to the damn Thor movies. Uh, the uh, Yggdrasil. Yeah, something like that. The 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 tree of knowledge. Yeah. In North. The world. Yggdrasil or Yggdrasil. Yggdrasil. Wait, Yggdrasil isn't that the guy who played Heimdall? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it was too good of a joke for me to not go back and try to get it. Um, Tree of uh, knowledge, yes. And the yes. steadings, yes. <laughs> yeah, there seems to be a lot of trees involved in knowledge in, in a lot of stories, which, you know, is kind of what uh, Loyal is, is all about in a lot of ways. And Loyal is the one that tells them about how the ways used to be very green and lush before they became what we see them. So again, having the knowledge of how it used to be, but also knowing. Yeah, the, the, the wisdom being them. passed down from a previous generation almost. Hmm. Like, makes me wonder about uh, Methuselah. Hmm. I, I have to be honest, I don't know anything about Methuselah other than the fact that he's really friggin' old. Um I think that was his thing. He was just like really, really old. But yeah. somebody who knows about Christian mythology would probably be better. Really old or really bad at math, one or the other. 
<laughs> Did a lot of begetting. Uh, <laughs> there's there's a perceived wisdom there that comes with the yeah. extra age. And I think that's where you're getting at. Yeah, yeah. Let's come back to Loyal further down the series where I can say more. Yeah. <laughs> I think that is a beautiful transition. Struggling we, we, we will get there. further up Loyal's hot pipe in the future. How about that? Uh, <laughs> but as usual, following that up, we want to say thank you to Michael and Jen. Out of the Secret Watch Party Island headquarters. Thank you, Michael and Jen, for making this all possible. Thank you, Michael and Jen. Thanks, Michael and Jen. And again, if you want to get in touch with us, you can reach out to us at our email. That's whatwatchparty at gmail.com. You can also find us on all of the social medias at whatwatchparty. And final question. I think we're going to not do a question. Um, Well, kind of a question we were talking earlier about uh, my my beautiful um imitation ability and and how well i can <laughs> i can imitate uh, any member of the panel it's uncanny like out of a botulism filled can <laughs> <laughs> that is the nicest thing you've ever said to me uh, <laughs> so uh we're going to go through and let each of you choose another panel member to do an imitation of you. Uh, let's start with you, Siobhan. Who do you want to imitate you? I want to hear what DW does. <laughs> uh, let's see if I can get the timber. I want to hear what DW does. That's not bad. That, that oh, actually yeah. wasn't bad. <laughs> All right. The, the, that was, that, that sounded like phone. me when I hear myself in a recording. <laughs> <laughs> uh, DW, I guess that means you're up next. Um, I'm going to go with Saima. I'm hoping this is spoiler filled. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the tin can full of botulism. That's also spoiler filled. Spoil, spoilage filled. I keep putting my foot in my mouth and making Simon's face hurt. <laughs> beautiful, beautifully done, beautifully done. That was, un- that was eerie. Yes. Uh, Simon, who do you want to, in- to uh, pretend to be you? Um... I want to make it easy and pick Axel. <laughs> easy, right? <laughs> Just because of the accent. Come on. Nope, I'm keeping very, very quiet. Not saying anything. <laughs> not laughing. I love that. Perfect. And Axel, who do you want to imitate you? Um, you. Nobody Me. could do it better. Absolutely. Nope. Okay. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> can you say say a couple words for me again? Uh, like kumquat and and kumquat <laughs> boil toast. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Say urinal. Okay. That's my favorite. Urinal. Aluminium. Urinal. Aluminium. Okay. I think I got it. I think I got it. Here we go. All right. You ready? Yep. Hello. I am the axles. <laughs> <laughs> I do not like the George R. R. Tolkien's. <laughs> Uncanny. The game, the game of rings is horrible. I hate it. <laughs> All right, Rurik, now you say that. 
<laughs> that was Axel. That wasn't Axel? <laughs> oh, um, let's see. I need to pick somebody to imitate me now. Uh, Samaria. All right. Okay. <laughs> I checked out this restaurant. And their kitchen sucked, and their steak <laughs> sucked too. But they were really good with the mashed potatoes. So C minus. <laughs> uncanny, absolutely uncanny. I thought you were playing a recording of me. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Oh, I got the cousins, twins. Let's see. (laughs) (laughs) Greg, take me away. (laughs) Oh, let's see. Roll Tide. That's all I got. I can't, I can't think of it. When you go go on an an extended, it's like, there's no way to get, to get into it. Uh, because I don't have a thought that that's long. That's that long. So <laughs> I, I compliment I stick with- you on the quiet, lean-in whisper talk that you you definitely captured. It, yeah, trying to get the timbre right. You know. Just- yeah. To be fair, in the fall, that is pretty much fifty percent of my vocabulary. Right. So, <laughs> there you go. Hello, I am Samaria. <laughs> I like the Christopher Evans. He has America's ass. <laughs> Roll tide. Roll tide. <laughs> yeah. And so I guess that just leaves David. All right. Guess I don't have to work too hard at this one. No, you don't. No. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah, that was perfect. That was perfect. Yeah, you're done. You're done. That was right it. there. That was it. I was, no, no, I was, wait, wait. Five by five from Austin. Music rocks. Vaguely Cajun accent inserted here. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Huh? Right, so now, do we have Siobhan do David? I uh, I would put that differently, but yes. Are you yeah. sure? <laughs> <laughs> Earl Grey hat. Hey. <laughs> <laughs>